0: Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Mary Ann Wolfe. Last week, the Color of Education Annual Summit took place with educators and advocates coming together to discuss equity and opportunity. On today's show, we will bring you the Spark of Color panel discussion from the event. You know, this is not just an
1: esteemed panel. This
0: is a panel of,
1: of fire black women who are the first in many things that they are doing. So so let's make sure to give them a special shout out. So because I know time is always short, um, let's hit our first video.
2: Hi, I'm Jennifer De La Hara, at-large school board member with Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools, here to share a few thoughts with you on broadening the conversation around equity and inclusion. One of the ways that I've tried to effectuate change by being an elected school board member is by doing just that, broadening the conversation. And I think that we can do that by both honoring the past, and also embracing the present and the future of where we are, particularly here in North Carolina. And what I mean by that is honoring the past um, historical struggles of African-Americans and the descendants um, of slavery, and also uh, our indigenous populations who have a long history of being marginalized um, in our state. Uh, We should honor that, and we should look and continue to look at ways to uh, lessen the disparities that exist among these uh, populations. We also have to broaden or widen the conversation to recognize that in the past 25 years, in particular, here in North Carolina, we have seen a massive, massive shift in our demographics. And that's what I mean about the present and the future. When we talk about immigrant populations, sometimes Um, the conversation can be narrowly defined. And I think it's our job as educators to speak up if folks, for example, only want to refer to Latin Latin American immigration um, in, in the conversation to make sure that when we're talking about immigrants that we're welcoming from all over the world, that we mean from Africa, that we mean from the Caribbean from Asia, from the Middle East, uh, and yes, from Latin America. I am just one person. Um, I navigate that space just because I have a background of uh, working with immigrant refugee populations. I tend to be one of the people who brings this up often, and I would encourage everyone to, because again, this is our present and this is our future. Um, I uh, try not to um, speak on behalf of any particular population, but rather just be a conduit um, to bring forth what their concerns, what the various immigrant um, communities concerns are um, and bring those to the table.
1: Well obviously I want to say thank you to Jennifer for sending in her video and, and having it be the spark to our conversation. So I'm going to turn this over to Eugenia as the teacher of the year. Right, when you hear sort of Jennifer's words and sort of how she's seeking to advance sort of equity in the schools, what is your response and what is your thought about that? She said, I am only but one
3: person. And I felt that at my core because it is very difficult for anyone to be the only person having this conversation. Although there are many people in the building that have to be a part of the conversation. I'm in the business of educating and teaching all children, not just some. So I have to brighten my horizons. I have to make sure that I'm creating a space for my students that is safe for them. And part of that work is making sure that they can see themselves in my classroom and in the community that I've decided to be, to create for them. Um, So that is definitely something that stuck out for me um, it also made me think about the our human capital and our goals in this work. If we know that we, if we know that our goals are to increase the diversity of our workforce, then what are the things that we are doing to directly affect that? What are we doing differently? And I think you lifted that up earlier. What is something? To, how are we moving differently in order to ha- enhance that
1: capacity? Mm, Thank you. And then Monica, could you talk a little bit about from your vantage point? What is it that Jennifer said in her video that you feel like I could take this and,
4: and go with it? And what else would you add? In addition to what she said? I certainly echo your sentiments of thanking Jennifer for being a brave school board member to share that video publicly for us to have some public discourse around those comments. Uh, The thing that sparked me as well was the exact same thing was that she said she's but one. And that perspective for me as a school board member, and I know Letha has heard me say this, I'm one, you need four more to get anything done on this board. And so as a board member, that hit me in a very different way, which is the exact same way I feel about schools. I As I said, I went K-12 public schools in Thomasville. I had zero teachers who looked like me. And I can tell you how many were in each of the three buildings I went in, kindergarten, elementary, middle, and high school, less than five at each building. And I had zero. Um, I also think that's important to note because in a small town, there are a few of us who are identified, gifted, and talented, which means we never saw teachers who look like us, which I think that's As much as we talk about representation, what we haven't talked about is representation at every level for our students, which means our students should be reflected in every classroom, no matter what level we said those classrooms are. And those teachers who look like us should also be able to teach in those classrooms as well. Um, And so for me, it hit me in so many different ways that not just one on the school board, but our educators and our students oftentimes feel that way too as they're the only one, or one of two, or three in the classroom. So I think for me, it's broadening that horizon of talking about the reflection, the mirror for us at every level from the board table to the classroom to our students and to our educators so that our families can see that we are truly committed um, to equity and we're not just talking the talk because when it's just one, we need a whole lot of allies who are gonna show up and actually echo the sentiments and sometimes lead the sentiments so that it's not just coming from the person who directly is impacted like me and my family would be um, as I sit at that same table talking about what this means to us and so, That's what resonated, but it's also how I would like to broaden the context.
1: Yes. Well, thank you. I mean, I, in hearing both of you and Eugene, I kind of just hear that, right? It hit you. And so in different ways, but also the, you know, the chat is saying representation matters, right? Like, don't just give me equity, show me equity. So I'm hearing that from both of you. So Lita, you know, you know, thinking about how our families and our communities, right? How, like, how did you take the video and what does that mean for the work that you do in the community with our families and our community leaders and members? She talked about like
5: the historical learning the history of black and indigenous communities in this country and the importance of that as a a grounding in education right even as we talk about diversity equity and inclusion and recognizing that you know the landscape of our schools have changed over the course of 20 years and we have other populations who are a part of it that it's important to ground ourselves right in indigenous culture and uh history and black are um Formerly enslaved uh, culture and history, and and that there are folks right who don't want that to happen, who are actively working against that. And so, for me, as a, a community worker, as a person in community of community. My job is to make sure my folks, my people, the the people that I sit around and strategize with recognize that there's a threat to even the equity we've gained up to this point mm-hmm. and that we cannot sleep, right? That we cannot go to sleep on what we've gotten and we have to push to get even more. And to uh, Monika's point, that's why it's important for those of us who support equity to show up in those spaces, to sound the alarm when, when the other folks who think a different way show up talking, you know, straight up nonsense. It's important for white folks to show up in the space and be as loud or even louder than black and indigenous folks because there's a level of power and privilege that is held in this country if your skin is white. And and we can't shy away from that conversation. So it's really, uh, it has to be a concerted effort. So those of us directly impacted can't carry the weight of holding off the folks who don't want us to gain anything, you know, in our public schools, but just in, in our society as well. So when I listened to, you know, her comments, that's the first thing that stood out for me. And then because I've worked with Latinx populations in my work, so I, I'm organizing with Black and brown families, I recognize there's a, a unique experience that um, people who come from other countries bring to be, to bear. And so our, our school spaces have has to acknowledge that experience, has to be open to also recognizing um, that we have to shift the culture in our schools so that it's affirming for everyone. And so I always appreciate when my children had teachers who were open to me showing up as a Muslim and giving presentations on the holidays that my children have celebrated. Um, I've always appreciated when I was the cultural arts representative at my children's uh, elementary school that I had the leeway to bring Parts from other cultures into the building because I always think that it's important to expose children but make it normal to normalize other cultures because we are what they say a melting pot right uh, there's so many different um communities and ethnicities and cultures that are represented in America and it's, it's time you know for all of us to get our shine so uh, I really appreciate it Jennifer, lifting up the change in landscape in in our public schools right now, but I think it's important to recognize that landscape has changed, but make that deeper connection to the folks that have been here since the beginning and before this country was even a
1: Established. I hear sort of like Lori Lenz and Billings, who talks about teaching education as a social political act. It's not just about reading and writing. You got to dig deep, right? So, so thank you for that. And then Lori, you know, you've you've heard your your co-panelists, you know, sharing their their knowledge and how they felt or reacted to the video. Is there any words you would like to share with 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 the rest?
6: I applaud the fact that one of our elected officials, right, is lifting this, and it reminds me of the power to vote it reminds me of the importance of creating policy and having people in those positions that can write and drive policy. So if we think about what's happening right now with the North Carolina General Assembly and the budget, right, and our governor, I just sometimes think they need to see this presentation. There's a real sense of urgency around all of the pieces that we are dealing with right now. But one person, even though they're one, they can be the spark that leads to a connection that needs to happen because it's the policy decisions that ultimately are going to right the wrongs, right? Coupled with our deep level of connectedness in educating one another about what needs to happen. So those are my initial thoughts.
0: After the break, we will continue the Spark of Color discussion.
7: Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives.
0: Welcome back to Education Matters. We're thrilled that you're here to join us for this spark of color discussion.
7: My name is Jamie Lathan, and I'm an instructor of humanities and a distance education administrator at the North Carolina School of Science and Mathematics. With the killing of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and too many others, The national conversation around racial justice and racial equity, my colleague, Ms. Candace Chambers, and I decided to create an interdisciplinary course combining science and humanities called Honor Science of Race. During the fall semester of 2020, we created the curriculum for the course, and during the spring semester of 2020, we taught the course in our distance education program at NCSSM. Through the course, we wanted students to critically examine how the concept of race has been used in the past and present to systematically oppress people of color within society and institutions. We also wanted students to challenge the supposed objectivity and neutrality of science, especially as it relates to human races. Lastly, we wanted to give students a common language and understanding for addressing and working towards racial equity and justice in their schools and communities. So during the course, many of our students erroneously believed that science and genetics explain differences in education and socioeconomic status between different racial groups. Through the course, The students learned otherwise. The students learned specifically that some scientists, scientific racists, have used science to legitimize racial injustice, justify racial injustice, racial divisiveness, and racial oppression. The students also learned about other implications of scientific racism for people of color in healthcare, primarily the erroneous belief and myth that people of color have a higher tolerance for pain, or the incident involving Henrietta Lacks, or the incidences involving the men of the Tuskegee syphilis experiment, just to name a few. The students also learned about implications of scientific racism in education, such as the racist and the racial bias of IQ tests and other standardized tests and the racist justification for segregated schools. While we dismissed scientific racism, we taught students to use a scientific approach to critique race and to imagine racial equity in their schools. To this end, students, develop alternative forms of assessment that would not be racially biased. Students also created solutions to the school to prison pipeline problem for schools in their disciplinary approaches for students of color. Overall, students also used the course as a launch pad for their own racial equity projects in their schools and communities. Not to mention also tackling the issue of racial or resegregation of schools.
1: Eugenia, you know, what as a teacher in the classroom, what is, you know, what does that mean for you? I really love everything that he
3: just lifted up. And one of the things that I love the most is we so often when I go to meetings now, the one thing I keep hearing over and over again is, you know, be mindful of what we say, be mindful of what we do because our children are watching us. And so as our children watch us on a day-to-day basis, we cannot in any way, shape, or form expect that the things going on in the world and in their communities will not seep into my classroom. Um, They bring all of who they are into my classroom every day. So I cannot expect for all of the things happening around them to not show up in some capacity. I really love how this educator activated that for students and created a safe space for them to go into standards and to critically think about the things happening around them and to them and not only did they do all of this work and do all the research behind it but they then activated for them activated this all for themselves and created a space in their school so that they could continue to do the great work and undo the things that have happened in the past. Um, I saw definitely where he's teaching his students critical thinking and actually getting them to defend their opinions and their thoughts about a particular subject or what's going on in the world around them. And it goes back to what Nicole Hannah-Jones said yesterday. We have to trust our educators because this is a prime example of how an educator has really benefited children and had them thinking critically about the things going on around them and how
1: it is connected to the history. Thank you, Gina. I mean, so we gotta give a huge shout out to Jamie Lathan for really just centering in how do we do anti-racism in the classroom. So we are, we are thank you, Gina, for just your words um, around that. So, Monica, do you wanna sort of add, especially from a school board member and yes. what does it mean yes?
4: And the first thing I thought about is. Um, as a school board member, not only the, cur- the courage of Dr. Lathan and um, his colleague who created this course-, course, but the fact that they're in a school setting that did not inhibit them from doing such a bold and, quite frankly, necessary course. I mean, we should, we should not be, this shouldn't be radical right this should be what we're teaching all of our students and you know for me the beauty of taking away some of what I would call either gaslighting or excuses that have been made for the ways that we especially as black folk in this country and indigenous folks in this country are seen and given excuses to such as high pain tolerance for reasons why we could endure certain things rather than seeing our full humanity as a school board member all I could think is could we pull that off in a public school that's not attached to a university setting, right? What does that really mean? And we should really be calling into question our communities around holding truth to what all of our students should have access to. Because, again, this isn't about teaching people something that isn't real. Students bring their whole selves, but we don't allow our educators or our elected officials to openly bring their full selves so that we can fully embrace who we are as humans. And, you know, A best kept secret, the way to really address injustice is to talk about the harm and the historical trauma that has happened so that we can actually address how it impacts us daily so that people can move forward. And I certainly feel in my day job, I tell people every day, in order to bring your full self, you have to be on a healing journey. And that course opened the door, not just for black and brown students, but for all students who simultaneously receive some of the trauma just by just by fact that we refuse to discuss it. And so hopefully this will give um, courage to folks like myself who are policymakers and advocates who support your public elected officials to do and be what I would consider is not radical, but for us, it would be bold and hats off to them. And, and I like to lift up um, the, the courage that they had to do that.
1: Thank you for, for acknowledging his, his courage and his team's courage to kind of center, you know, facts, right? Facts in, in, in classrooms. So thank you. So Alita. What, what 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 does this make you think and feel for somebody to bring this issue into the classroom and make it part of the learning and engagement of children and students?
5: Well, here's the thing. Young people will bring it into the classroom, right? Like we've already said, they're gonna bring their full selves. So uh, kudos to these educators for taken a topic that young people wrestle with on a daily basis that they have questions about, that they actually have solutions to and creating space for them to dig deeper uh, into the topic. You know, I work directly with young people and <laughs> they're the most proximate to this problem and they have the solution. We just have to get out the way, right? So these educators have created space for these young people to, to dream and be bold and create something, right, that will make their education experience different. And it just makes me feel like warm and fuzzy. I'm always about showing up my authentic real self. I teach my children to do the same. And, you know, we in a public forum, so I won't use, you know, my other language, but bump whoever don't agree with it, right? Um, right. I, I love, Monika, like naming that, you know, for our educators, for our elected officials, people struggle with being able to fully show up their whole selves. And then on the opposite end of the aisle, right, we have folks making up outrageous stories, telling straight up lies about what educators are doing in the classroom. And it's about teaching the truth and creating space for the truth, not only to be taught, but also to be discussed. We do our kids a disservice, right? When we don't create space, like this, this educator did for them to dig into topics that they're dealing with on a daily basis. Nobody's leaving out of school, or even being within school and not having an impact by racism that racism impacts us all and it, and time is up for us to pretend like it doesn't right so this this, I think, course could be taken and You could superimpose it over math curriculum, right? You could superimpose it into language arts. Like this is something that could be a baseline and used across different disciplines within the educational system. But it takes all of us, right, to have the courage to lean into it and to demand it. So when folks on the other side are coming up with these crazy bills, trying to limit, we have to be just as loud to push back to let them know we will not accept the foolishness that they're they're. Plotting behind closed doors.
1: Laurie, I know because of you are one of the first Black females deed I- at the university. Let us know what you think about this boldness this, this, this courageous educator. And I want you to know ladies that our educator preparation
6: programs hear you. We see that. We're revising our programs. We're revising our curricula. We're incorporating elements of social justice. We know that teachers are change agents. We know that our educators are resilient, right? And so we're doing, we're joining you, right? On the path to producing not only high quality educators that know the content, but high quality educators that are prepared to stand in classrooms and lead these important conversations. I agree with Eugenia, we have to trust our teachers.
1: We have to trust them and get out of the way and allow them to work the magic you know, time is up and we need to continue to make sure we get facts in our classrooms is really important. Thank you to Gina, Lita, Monica, Lori, just for giving us
0: a little spark. Thank you so much for thinking and learning about education. That's all for today. And we'll see you next week.